So, I need to uh, confess one thing that probably won't surprise any of you, but um, I have a very low threshold of pain. Yes, I know. You're all shocked right now. You're saying to yourself, can't be. You're too manly. You must be much stronger than you think you are. No, I'm not, really. Um, I just had my physical, which, by the way, went extremely well, so I'm thankful for that. But when they took my blood pressure, which was good, that cup they put on your arm, that hurts. Yeah, I winced. Almost the tear. That was brutal. I was like, ow. Now, that's a low threshold of pain. Let me give you another description of what I would consider the opposite, a high threshold of pain. I give you exhibit A, my wife, Joanne Shumskitz. Give her a big hand. Joanne has a crazy high threshold of pain. Amongst her many surgeries, um, she's also given birth to four children. And, and I have been there, and the thoughts going through my mind are like, if it was up to me, we'd be childless. Because there's no way I'd let that happen to me. And, you know, it's happening, and I'll, I'll never forget, this is my favorite story. I'll never forget the birth of our last child, Allison. And um, we were in a different hospital than we had been the other, because we were in Pennsylvania, than the other three. And we're in this hospital, and... There were room after room after room after room after room, and all these women were in labor, right? So I'm in my room with Joanne, and I forgot what I had to do. For some reason, I had to grab something in the hallway. I don't know what it was, but I go out in the hallway. Like, I open the door, and I go out in the hallway, and I hear all this screaming, right? Women howling like some kind of torture is, is going on. And, it, it, and, and for the kids today, they know this terminology. It, it shook me. I was shook. Yeah, I was shook. So I went back in the room and shut the door, and there was silence. I opened the door, screaming and yelling. Shut the door, silence. I thought, wow. And I went over to my wife's bed, and she's in labor. She's giving birth, and, and she's hardly making any noise. And she says my favorite thing ever. She turns to the doctor, and she says, I'm sorry I'm being so difficult. <laughs> and I start laughing. I'm thinking to myself, Oh, honey, you are his dream patient. You are his dream patient. So yes, I have the low threshold of pain, and my wife has the high threshold of pain, which should not be a shock to any of you. So now, why does this matter? Because uh, we're going to continue our series as we go through the book of Genesis, and we're going to read Genesis chapter 17 today. And um, God is going to construct a covenant with Abraham, and he's going to change his name actually to Abraham as part of this covenant. A covenant is an agreement, a promise, kind of a deal. He's going to make a deal with Abraham, and there's going to involve some physical pain. And uh, I would have struggled with this pain because, again, low threshold, but apparently Abraham and Ishmael have a very high threshold of pain, and we'll explain later on. So we're going to go through this story in Genesis, and it's, it's a great story. Um, But then what we want to do, though, is then transition to the New Testament. Because we are not under um, this older covenant. We're under a new covenant with with Jesus. And so we're going to talk about that. And we're going to be talking about threshold again, but not of pain. Uh, We're going to be talking about a different kind of threshold where the lower threshold is actually the better one to have. And um, then you're going to have an interesting way, I think, to 
to respond. And let me just be straight up with you because you know, I'm always uh, honest. I try to be. This has been like a heavy thing weighing on my shoulders like this week. And uh, I just feel like, I don't know if it's one person in the whole church or maybe more than one, but I know that somebody needs to, to hear this. So I don't know who this is, but we're going to give you a chance to respond in a kind of a creative way a little bit later. But let's first, let's, let's read this story. Um, if you want to follow along, go ahead in your Bibles or on your phones or tablets. And again, the words as usual are up on the screen. And this is Genesis uh, 17. And it says, when Abram was 99 years old, and, and if you've got your Bibles, you might want to just mark that. That's, it's going to be important. He's 99 years old. The Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. So Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Now I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Now the whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. And this is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Now Abraham fell face down and he laughed. And he said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. And then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son. And you will call him Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you, and I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of twelve rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you this time next year. Now when he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. 
So on that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household or bought with his money every male in his household and circumcised them as God told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that very day. And every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or bought from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. Now, in my Jeremiah study Bible, uh, we had these words. I want to share these notes with you. It's important to understand what we just read here. It says that circumcision is the surgical removal of the foreskin of the male reproductive organ. So God told Abraham to circumcise his baby son Isaac as a sign and seal of God's covenant with him. In addition, Abraham circumcised his son Ishmael and was circumcised himself. Now let's just stop there for a moment. Because right now, a lot of the guys are wincing. And the girls are sitting there going, oh, just just toughen up. It's no big deal. Can you imagine being 13 years old and having to get circumcised? Yeah. Yeah. I don't even worry about Abraham. He's 99 and the baby, 13. That's 8th grade. If my dad said to me, 8th grade, uh, son, I'd be like, uh, no. Right? But it was important. And it wasn't just important because of the physical nature. Let me read to you. Uh, the rest of the notes here. It says that the Hebrew people were instructed to continue the practice, marking them as God's covenant people. Circumcision was an outward physical sign of that which God wanted to be true inwardly. Did you get that? This is important to understand. You've got this Old Testament covenant of circumcision, right? It's a very physical thing. But it's supposed to also be representing what's going on in the inside and a person's heart who is following God. In fact, it's really interesting. um, We get a kind of understanding that the people forgot about that second part. And you can kind of get the idea from what I'm about to read to you is that the people thought, well, as long as I'm circumcised, I'm quote-unquote good. But then we read in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse verse 16, these words. Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. So even in the Old Testament, you can see God focusing really on what's going on inside of a person. So now we move to the New Testament. Because in the New Testament, we get a new covenant. They're no longer under the old covenant. We're now the new covenant with Jesus Christ. And here's what I like the way I like the way Paul puts it in Colossians chapter 2, verse 11, because he uses words that his audience kind of would understand. He says, Colossians chapter 2, verse 11, he says, When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. Yeah, is that, is that pretty clear? So in other words, um, if you're here tonight and you have given your life uh, to Jesus Christ, then Jesus has gone into your life and he has cut away, or Paul would say circumcised, that sinful nature. Now, what's important about this to understand is this is not a one-time deal. 
right? I mean, physical circumcision is a one-time shot. This isn't a one-time deal, and I'll tell you why. Um, Paul goes on in Colossians chapter 3, and this is very important, verses 5 through 10. Colossians 3, 5 through 10. He says, So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Now, that word lurking should stand out a little bit. If you were here on the night we covered Cain and Abel, remember when Cain killed Abel, what did God say to Cain? He said that sin, be careful, he said, sin is, he didn't say lurking, but he said crouching at your door. All right? In other words, sin wants to have you, Cain, and you can't let it in your life. And so Paul is saying the same thing to his audience and to us today. He says, listen, we've got this circumcision going on. We've got this new covenant with Jesus. You've given your life to Christ. Your sinful nature has been cut away by Jesus. That is awesome. But we have to be careful because sin is lurking, right? Lurking, and it wants back in. Yes, Jesus has cut it out for us when we gave our lives to Christ, but it wants back in. And we got to be careful because we can't let it back in. Now, Paul goes on and he, he gets really specific. He says, Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do those things, you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now, now is the time to get rid of anger and rage and malicious behavior and slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. So put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and to become like him. So, so Paul has given us what I consider four categories of sin that he says is lurking and wants to overtake us. And we have to be careful not to let that happen, to keep those things away, to keep that junk out of there, and to put on our new nature in Christ and to become more and more like him. So these are the four things. Sexual impurity, greed, I call it anger's actions, because we know that um, the Bible tells us not to sin in our anger. So anger in itself is not a sin, but anger can lead to sin. And Paul lists a bunch of things that can lead um, out of anger into sin, like rage and malicious behavior and slander and dirty language. All these things come out of anger. And then, of course, we gotta not, we got to not lie. So these are really four areas. Now, these could be four separate messages, right? I mean, I could sp we could be here um, all night long trying to cover all, all four messages. But instead of doing that, I looked at these and I thought, well, we just talked about lying recently. Right? We talked about how uh, Abram lied and how Sarai, he said that Sarai was his sister, but she really wasn't. Um, last week we talked about the need for kindness, to treat each other kindly, so that came under anger. 
A couple weeks ago, before that, we talked about our need to have contentment, right? To be okay with what we have. So we've talked about greed. But we haven't talked about sexual impurity. And so we're going to talk about this tonight because I think that if we look at our world, and I can, just from my own experience as a pastor, this is the one area where people struggle the most. This is the one area that, um, for lack of a better word, takes people out. Uh, takes marriages out. Do you hear that knocking? Does someone like want in the door? I'm sorry, this is... See, this is an important message and we're being distracted. All right, yeah, Joanne's going to go find out. All right, so let's get back on track. All right. So I've been thinking about this a lot and, and, and praying about this a lot. And, um, and, and so I, this is how I want to come at it. I want to paint what I call a picture of purity. Okay, I want to paint a picture of purity. So let's start. So imagine a young man and a young woman and, and they're born. And as they grow up, as they grow up, um, Never in, in their youth, as they're growing up, do they, do they see anything impure. So there's no images uh, that they see. There are no actions uh, being performed, whether um, on a TV screen or in the movies. Um, so they don't have any of that stuff coming into their lives. And then as they get older, um, they don't practice um, anything like that before they are married. And then they get married. And while they're married, um, they enjoy the gift of sex that God has created. And uh, it allows them to have children. It allows them to become one. Um, but while they're married, they continue to stay pure because they don't look at other people or watch other people do things, whether it's a TV or a movie. And they don't um, act on those things with other people. So you see what I'm saying? That's kind of like the picture of purity. Are we all on track here? All right. Now, that's what should be going on. That's, that's what God has, I believe, created. If you, if you read his word, um, that's what we're supposed to be doing. But now as we look at life, and just, you know, this is something, a lot of this tonight is going to be just you and God, um, is it a reality? I just want you to think about it. Is it a reality? Is that a reality? Is that what's happening in our culture? And my experience is no. No. Um, in fact, as, as time goes on and as um, uh, phones and computers and all of this internet stuff really become part of a person's life, uh, the chances, the odds of a child making it through um, their childhood and their teenage years and getting into their adult years without seeing some type of impure image or impure action on a screen, the odds of that happening are very, very low. Very, very low. Um, and because of, I believe, what the world is teaching, the odds of, you know, those kids then growing up and never having acted on anything until they got married, again, is somewhat low. And the problem is, as I've thought about this and prayed about it, really, is the world, the world has made sex a god. 
okay? And I don't think they would actually come out and say that, but that's what they've done, and they've done it this way. They've made sex a god because it's, it's really become something that is worshipped. It's something that is pursued. It's something that is considered the goal in a person's life. And you see it um, on television, and you see it in the movies, and you hear it in music, and you read it in books and magazines, and you just hear it in conversations with other people. Sex is a god. And now, sex is something that people are using to identify themselves. And it's become who they are. It's, it's their identity. So they're either a heterosexual, that's their identity, or they're a homosexual, or that's their identity. And then there's other different identities uh, within that, that tree. So you can see where the world has said, no, 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 listen, listen, sex is really God. And so people worship that without realizing it. And here's the deal. Instead of having, like, remember I told you about how I had a low threshold of pain and Joanne has a high threshold of pain? Uh, we should have a low threshold of sin. In other words, when we see sin, or when we see what we're talking about, impurity, we should notice it right away, right? We should have that low threshold. But because of what the world has done, a lot of people have a high threshold of impurity. So in other words, things just don't shock people anymore. Things are just kind of accepted as just normal and it's just what it is. But here's the problem. Sex is not a God, right? There's only one God. God is God. God is God. And God is the one who says what is. And God is where we find our identity, right? We are creations of God. And in the new covenant, we become children of Christ. And that is our identity. Now, a couple of scripture verses I want to share with you. This is the first one. Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? So that's a good question, right? All right. So God wants us to be pure. We need to avoid sexual impurity. So how do we stay pure? By living according to your word. So it's God's word, right? So God's word dictates what is okay and what is not okay. Now, I've been thinking about how to, how to say this because I think this is, folks, this is really, really important. This is really, really important. I had a good conversation uh, just the other day with my father-in-law ab about this because I feel like the church has kind of dropped the ball a bit with regards to this topic, and it's because it's an uncomfortable thing to talk about. Um, it's a very personal thing, and um, so they tend not to talk about it, the church. Um, but we have to talk about it, and I think we have to talk about it because I think we should own this conversation. Because sex is not a God. God is God, and God created sex. And I think these two things kind of like cross my brain that I just want to share with you real quick. Um, the world would say differently, right? The world would say differently. 
the world. In fact, I did, uh, I did some searching uh, on the internet, just different articles and different responses to articles and different videos and different responses to videos. And, and the world thinks we're nuts. And when I say the world thinks we're nuts, what I mean by this is, is the world's view on sex is, look, here's the deal. It's the greatest thing that you can do, uh, and you should be allowed to do it whenever, with whoever, and anyone that says differently should just shut up and be quiet and go crawl back in their hole because they're clueless. I mean, that's kind of the attitude that the world, the world takes with it. And I, and I was thinking about this a lot. I'm thinking, man, it's just, all the time I read the Bible, and I don't know if you guys have read the whole Bible, I've never come across a conversation with Jesus and his apostles. Now, this is 13 guys together where they even talked about it, right? If it's so important, if it's so valuable, we have a Savior who never experienced it, and he's okay. I was told by a friend of mine growing up that uh, the reason I have acne was because I wasn't having sex, and as soon as I had sex, my acne would clear up. I mean, that's how crazy the world, and that was back in the 80s. It's gotten crazier since then, right? But if it's so important and so valuable and, and, and should be worshipped, why didn't Jesus need it? He seemed okay. And then I got thinking this, and this may blow your minds if you've never thought about this before, but there's a story in the Bible where uh, they're quizzing Jesus about marriage, and he says, well, you know, there's no marriage in heaven. Now think about that one for a moment. So if according to God's word, sex is created for marriage and marriage alone, and there's no marriage in heaven, then there's no sex in heaven. For eternity. And yet it's supposed to be so valuable. Is it possible that maybe the world has sold us a bill of goods that's just a bunch of baloney? Yeah. Is it possible that the world has taken sex and just made it what it's not? Maybe they've taken it to use it to sell merchandise to make money. But they've put so much value in it, and it's, and it's sad and it's tragic. And let me, let me tell you who I feel, I feel the worst for. I feel the worst for people, um, and if you're here today, I, f- I feel bad for you, if you're attracted to someone of the same sex. And this is why I feel bad for you. Number one, um, you probably haven't heard it enough, but God loves you, right? And I don't think the church says that enough. But number two, the world wants to say, well, okay, that's your identity. No, it's not. That's just who you're attracted to. That's not your identity. But if you're in that position, you're like, oh, that's my identity. And then the world says to you, and as your identity, you now must pursue sex with somebody that you're attracted to if you want to be fulfilled. No, you don't. But that's the lie, right? That's the lie. And it's not just a lie to those who are attracted to the same sex. It's a lie that's given to those attracted to the opposite sex. The world says to you, okay, well, now you need to pursue sex. And until you get it, your acne's not going to clear up, and you're, you're not going to have peace. 
and you're not going to be fulfilled. What, you're single and you're 50 and you're still a virgin? How horrible for you. That's what the world says. It's not God's plan, right? It's not God's plan. Now, here's the good news. Here's the really, really good news. God loves all of us. And um, he knew we were going to mess up, right? He knew we were going to mess up. And he knew that, you know, part of messing up, part of sinning, is that we would um, do things that were impure. But here's the good news. And this is uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now let's just hang on those words for a moment. Because this is very, very, very important. Because I may have said some things tonight that you've never heard. Um, You have maybe in your life done things that were impure. Um, Maybe you have looked upon uh, images in a magazine that you shouldn't have. Or maybe you watched some videos uh, that you shouldn't have. Or maybe you did some things with other people that you shouldn't have. So you brought impurity into your life. Well, now, what's the lie of the world? Well, since you brought it in, you might as well keep going, right? You're done. No, you're not. See, what you have to understand is this is all about the covenant with Jesus Christ, right? This is our deal. This is our vow. This is our promise. This is our relationship with Jesus. He, he died on the cross to pay the price for our sins, okay? So if we believe in him and we follow him, we live for him, we receive grace and mercy, and yeah, one day we go to heaven where there is no sex and we'll be just fine. We'll be better than fine. We'll be amazing, right? So here's the cool thing. If you're here tonight and you've blown it and you've done some impure things, ask God to forgive you. And you know what he does? He, he cuts it out again, right? He circumcises that sinful nature. He forgives you. He cuts it out. And he makes you pure again. How awesome is that, right? So Satan wants you to be huddled in a corner feeling lousy about yourself because you did something that was impure. And God is saying, don't huddle in a corner. Get up. Ask me to forgive you. It's already been done. Went to the cross. You're forgiven. Now I'm going to make you pure. Isn't that awesome? Now, you're saying, Pastor Chris, I know, I did that, but then I did something impure again. Okay. Well then, ask for forgiveness. And God will make you pure again. And some of you might say, well, Pastor Chris, I did that, but then I did something impure. Okay. Ask for forgiveness, right? And God will make you pure again. Folks, this is an ongoing relationship that we have with this amazing God and this amazing Savior. And there are too many men 
and women out there that have bought into the world and that believe in what the world is teaching us, your kids, your families, about sex. And they've bought into the lies and they've bought into the impurity. And unfortunately, people who have called themselves Christians have not helped the situation uh, by just not sharing this good news, <laughs> right? They've been too busy yelling and screaming and telling people they're going to go to hell when they should be saying, hey, guess what? We have this Savior. It's awesome. He loves you. Everybody says so in the Bible. And he died for you. So ask him to forgive you, and he will forgive you and make you pure again. You know, I've been a pastor for 26 years, and I'll tell you, I made a mistake. And this is the mistake I've made in those years. Um, I would always talk to teenagers about staying pure for their spouse, right? You need to stay pure for your husband. You need to stay pure for your wife. And the mistake is, that's good, but that's not number one. That's number two. Number one is, you need to be pure for God, right? That's number one. That's the main focus. You have this covenant, and part of the covenant is, yeah, don't lie, don't act out in anger, don't be greedy, but don't be sexually impure. And that's hard to do in our world today because we are surrounded by sexual impurity. I mean, the other night, I'm just on this simple, wonderful family dinner <laughs> with my wife and my daughters and my in-laws, right? My father-in-law, my mother-in-law, godly people. Dad was a pastor. And grandma, I call her grandma, my mother-in-law, she wants decaf. And so she loves books. So we stopped at Barnes Noble. Simple little thing, right? Go to Barnes Noble, get some coffee, look at some books, go home. And so you walk in, and if you've ever been to Barnes & Noble, you need to know that to the right is all the magazines. And, and you need to know that the one place to avoid is like the far right corner. It, it says men's interests. Now, it says men's interests, but there's nothing there about sports or tractors or whatever. No, it's all women in magazines. But, so stay away from there, right? So I feel like as long as I don't go in that right corner, I'm safe. Except I walked in that night, and I turned, and right on the rack here was this magazine about music, and there was a naked woman on the cover, and I was like, whoa! I'm like, where's my mother-in-law? I gotta hide her. <laughs> Little cutie was overlooking the books. I'm thinking, I can't even go to the bookstore. It's all encompassing. It's all encompassing, folks. It's all encompassing. Now, um, when you came in tonight, and this is my error, you were supposed to have heard a song. Um, I'm going to fix that by tomorrow. <laughs> um, and the song is by Toby Mac. And it's called The Elements. The Elements. And it's a really, um, really powerful song. Um, and it's about just him talking about living in the elements. Living in a life that is just trying to uh, just destroy him. In a world that's trying to tear him apart and, and tear his family apart. And part of it is sexual impurity and so this is what i want to do and and um it's going to take a little bit of work in fact everyone needs to have a bulletin does anyone not have a bulletin does anyone not raise your hand if you don't have a bulletin jen can you grab some bulletins real quick 
we're going to do something here, I think, and it's going to be really important. And like I said, this, you know, I'm going to do this at three services, and this could be just for one person. And if that's all it is, and, and, and that's all it is, and that's okay, um, we'll just do it because that's why I believe what God wants us to do. So raise your hand if you need a bulletin. Everyone needs to have a bulletin. Everyone needs to have a bulletin. Okay. All right. Now, go ahead and open your bulletin. And um, in your bulletin, I want you to just pull this. I want you to take out the um, connection card. So you've got that. You need to have your connection card. All right. Now, uh, this is what we're going to do. In a few moments, and hopefully this, this, this video will work, guys. Hopefully this one will work. Um, I'm going to cue the team, and uh, they're going to play a video. It's uh, Toby Mac Elements. Uh, the words will be on the screen. And uh, it's, it's not your slow-moving, feely-feel kind of song. It's more like the song you'd go to war with and lift weights with. Um, and I picked this song because I think this is something we need to go to war about. So here's the deal. Um, I want everybody to fill out this card. And this is what you're going you're gonna to write one of three things, okay? And then when you're done, I want you to fold it over so nobody can see it. Because I need this to be really between you and God. And then we're going to have them collected. Don't put your name on it. Have them collected in the offering plates. And then that will be the end um, of service. And I'll close this in prayer. But this is what I want you to do. If um, you are good... Uh, if you have no issues, um, if you are sexually pure and everything you do and, and it's all good, I just want you to write on this, I'm good. Okay? I'm good. Just write the words, I'm good. And then fold it over. You're good. Now, if you're here tonight and you're like, no, I'm not good. <laughs> um, there is definitely some impurity there. Um, I am definitely um, having sex and I'm not married. Or I'm thinking about it a lot. Or I am watching movies where I'm seeing it happen a lot. Or TV shows. Or I'm looking at magazines and I'm looking at things I shouldn't. I'm just, no, I have impurity. What I want you to do is just write um, forgiveness. Just write the word forgiveness. You need forgiveness. And and maybe you're willing to, to ask God to forgive you, and maybe you're not, but I want you to just write down those words that you need. That's what you need. You need forgiveness. Now, there's a third word I want you to write, and this might be, and this is important. It may seem a little silly, but I think this is important. I want you to write down, if you need to, um, that sh- maybe it's not I'm good or forgiveness, but maybe you're struggling in this, right? Maybe you're sitting there and you, you totally aren't buying this. Like, mm, I don't know, Pastor Chris. I don't know about some, what you're saying. I, I think the world may have some good points. I'm, I'm really not ready. And maybe what you need to do, and this is a good thing to do sometimes, just wrestle with God. And I want you to write that down. Wrestle with God. What does that mean? That means, yeah, you don't have to walk out of here and do what I tell you to do. <laughs> I'm not God. And you don't have to do things because I say you should. If, if you're struggling in this thing, but you're not exactly sure which way to go, then wrestle with God about it, right? Talk to him. Go to God and say, hey, God, I'm struggling with this. 
I like these movies that I'm watching. I like these shows. I like these books that I'm reading. I like this stuff that I'm daydreaming about. I like these things that I'm doing. Are they impure? Mm, I don't know. Wrestle with God. That's the important thing about life. I got to tell you right now, um, 26 years, I am not the same guy I was. You know, there was a time in my life where if I was here, if I was here, um, I would have been like, this pastor is a whack job. And I would have left, and me and my friends would have gotten together, and we would have laughed and made fun of the pastor and, and pursued hooking up with girls because that's what we worshiped. We wouldn't have said we worship. We might have mocked the pastor. He said worship. What an idiot. Um, that's what we would have done. Right? So maybe you're here and you're like, I don't know. Wrestle with God. It's okay to wrestle with God. It's actually healthy to talk to God. Because here's the deal. When you make a decision, you need to make it for the right reasons. You just can't make it because you got emotional. And you just can't make it because the pastor tells you to. Um, when you make that decision to give your life to Christ and you make that decision to make a change and allow Christ to cut out that impurity, right? That's got to be something between you and God because that's got to be solid. Does that make sense? That's got to be solid. It can't be like, oh, I'm tired of listening to Pastor Chris. I'm going to go back to what I want to do. No, no. It's got to be solid. God loves you and he wants a relationship with you. And he wants you to have purity in your life because he knows how damaging impurity can be. And folks, I've seen it for 26 years. I've seen it ruin people. I've seen it ruin marriages. I've seen it destroy lives. So, I'm good. Forgiveness. Wrestle with God. Write one of those three words down, fold it over, and then um, I'll have uh, Joanna, if you don't mind, hon, go around with the collection plate, and w again, we'll collect them. Um, I am not going to, like, try to spot who's putting what, and then afterwards find out what you wrote down by the location of, this is you and God, okay? You and God. So you guys ready? All right, let's play that song, and let's spend some time with God about this. I lace the boots up and straight to the door Cause this is worth fighting for I get my head right, the heart's gotta follow Whisper a prayer like there ain't no tomorrow Take a breath and I exhale slow I wasn't made for this kind of cold This ain't the kind of place that you wanna know These are the elements I'm telling you bro This world it's up in my grill This world is shooting to kill This world always gotta be stealing my heart This world always trying to rip my family apart I'll fight the elements I'll fight the elements I got spirit, I got faith I might bend but I won't break I'll fight the elements
even close. They camouflage like we fighting some ghosts. You start to doubt everything that you know. I feel the heat and it's starting to show. They try to break us, break us, make us want to give in. Lay down our arms, don't vacate us again. Lay down a fight, I can never relent. And I'ma take it all the way to the I'll end. Fight the Stand together. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight and um, Father, we thank you. You are awesome. And we thank you, Lord, for this new covenant that we are under with Jesus. And Father, I pray for a low threshold of impurity. Father, help us not to become numb to the world. Lord, help us not to become numb to the impurity, those impure elements that they keep throwing at us and wanting us to accept. Father, I want to pray tonight for anyone who was here and Lord, maybe... uh, They had no idea what you had for them tonight. But you made them very aware, Lord, that you are aware of the impurity in their life. And you don't want it there. Because you don't want them to be hurt. You don't want the relationship with you, Lord, to be hurt. Lord, you want them to know the joy of living the kind of pure life that you live, Jesus. So, Father, I pray that 
if they've asked for forgiveness, that they will walk out of here knowing that they are pure again and that you have cut that sin out of their lives. And I pray, Lord, that they leave and they go and they continue to make wise choices. They continue to choose purity over impurity. That maybe they have to throw some things away or stop watching some things or maybe they need to stop hanging out with some people or make some changes, Lord, in their relationships, whatever that might be. I pray, Lord, that they will have your wisdom and uh, the confidence in you to do that. And Father, I want to pray for anyone who's here tonight who, who's wrestling. I understand that wrestling. And Father, as that happens, as they talk to you and as you talk to them and as they seek you, I pray, Lord, that you will just fill them with truth and fill them with peace. Father, I pray that you will just give them just really great examples illustrations in their own lives and other people's lives that will point them, Lord, to the value of purity. Even if the world laughs, even if the world mocks, and even if the world turns away from us, Father, you never will. Father, we thank you, and we just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.